0: hello and welcome to another week of a walk in the parks a podcast uh i hope everyone had a great week um i hope you all enjoyed the episode last week about olympic national park i had some people reach out and uh said they enjoyed it so that's great thank you for listening um That was particularly a very interesting episode for me personally. I think it's probably, I mean, I've only done two. (laughs) This is my third, but I mean, it was really fun for me. Um, I mean, the first episode on Arches was really fun for me too, but uh, last week with Olympic, there was just a little bit more meat to it when it came to the national park itself and some of the lore and the stories and stuff. And I got to talk about a lot of really fun and kind of gross (laughs) So, it was it was fun. So I'm glad to enjoy. Glad, sorry, glad to know that some of you enjoyed it as well. Um, I don't really have any business to take care of this week, so I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into this week's topic, which is Hot Springs National Park. So if you listened to the first episode, then you would remember that I introduced myself and talked about my background and. All that jazz. And again, this is a very small podcast as of right now. So if you're listening to this at the time it's released, uh, which right now it's Saturday, August 20th, it'll be released on the 22nd. Um, but chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably know me in real life, but for those of you who don't, um, just a little refresher in case you didn't listen to the first episode for whatever reason, um, I'm from Arkansas. I grew up in the Northwest Arkansas area, Um, I was born in Fayetteville, I've lived um, throughout Northwest Arkansas, I currently live in Fayetteville, and surprisingly though, even though I've lived in Arkansas for a majority of my life, I had never been to Hot Springs National Park until just a couple of months ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And when my husband and I went, um, it was kind of a last minute thing. This is kind of just how we roll, to be honest. Like we very rarely plan things out. We're very chill travelers, which may stress some people out, but (laughs) that's just kind of how it's kind of how we do things. Um, most of the time our trips are like a, we wake up in the morning and are like, Hey, you want to go somewhere or the night before? Like, Hey, we should wake up early and, you know, take a day trip here. And that's kind of what it was when we decided to do Hot Springs. Uh, we both felt the need to just kind of get out of town for the day. And we had a list of places where we could go. Um, we frequent Kansas City a lot. We were planning on going to Dallas soon, which those we are both about like four hours-ish away. But also on our list was Hot Springs. And my husband, Jonathan, had never been really to like central Arkansas before. Um, he'd mostly just been around the Northwest area with, you know, which is where we live. So it was kind of a fun opportunity to stay within the state, but also go somewhere new for both of us. Um, so that was fun. It was a fun little day trip. And to be honest, it was not what I was expecting. We, which again, we did not do any research really before we went. So it's on us, but, um, Yeah, it was kind of surprising. It was not what I was expecting at all. Cause I mean, I don't know when you think national park, you think primarily just nature, right? Well, (laughs) in my mind, and whenever you even Google hot Springs national park, there's a lot of pictures of like rolling Hills and hot springs and things like that. So that's kind of what I was expecting was maybe like just a smaller, and I knew it was a smaller park. So I was expecting, you know, some pull off areas for some scenic views or like a small visitor center or something, but that is not (laughs) what we were met with. Uh, I mean, it, it was, and it wasn't, but, uh, yeah. Hot Springs is unique because it is not just all nature. It actually includes um part of the main street of downtown Hot Springs and includes eight bathhouses, eight vintage bathhouses. So that's kind of unique. Um and so for this episode, just to kind of like explain the history of this town kind of in it's somewhat of chronological order. Um I decided that this week, usually I start with the settler history and then go into the Native American This week I'm swapping it. So now we're gonna start with the Native American and then go into the settler history. So what I found kind of interesting when I was researching the indigenous history for this area is that um, there are a lot of sources that kind of had conflicting statements and claims as far as like when they believe that people first occupied this area. Um, These are from like reputable sources, right? So like, scholarly journals and articles and things like that. Um, It varied anywhere from like 6,000 years ago all the way up to like 16,000 years ago, which is kind of a big stretch. Um, But what I saw most commonly was somewhere between 10 to 14. So take that as you will. That's what I'm just going to say as a blanket statement, because it was hard to find sources that all said the same thing, which again, is just interesting, but it also makes sense, you know, because the tribes that occupied this area were, you know, they passed things down through oral history, but the tribes that are attributed to this area are the Tunica, the Cato, the Quapaw, Choctaw, and Cherokee tribes. Um, it is said from, um, both the people who first settled the area and from oral history from the native American tribes themselves, um, it is said that the tribes that occupied the area, uh, referred to the area as the Valley of the Vapors. And it was interesting because the verbiage that was used when describing the hot springs area was kind of the same vibe that I got when I was also researching arches, as far as this area was a place that was considered sacred to an extent. Um, this was a place of ritual and it said across multiple sources that this was known as an area where tribes could come, put aside their differences and enjoy the rejuvenation of the springs together. So no matter if they were feuding, you know, in other places, once they entered this area, it was a peaceful, sacred place. So I thought that was interesting. And this kind of, this idea of this being a place of like friendship and ritual and, and stuff kind of comes into play a little later, but with a completely different group. So I'm excited to talk about that. Um, what's also interesting is that as far as, uh, you know, European explorer and settler history, that there were varying theories on that as well. There were a lot of sources that said indefinitely, Spanish explorer Hernando de Soto is you know was the first European visitor to the area. Then other people were like, no, it wasn't him. <laughs> he never went through this area. It was French explorers, Marquette and oh Juliet. In 1673, that claimed came to claim the area for France. Some people, yeah, that was just interesting. because There were a lot of sources that were very confidently stating one way or another. And uh, this is from articles that I found that were kind of in, in between, like, yeah, a lot of people believe that Spanish explorer Hernando de, Sa- de Soto, um, is believed to be one of the first European visitors. Um, while on his quest for an earthly paradise a fabled city of gold Um, and that guided by Native Americans he and his troops arrived in September 1541 to partake in the thermal springs Um, and then they also say but like you know he didn't settle there he didn't do anything there he came and he left type thing but it was more than 100 years later when French explorers Marquette and Joliet, I probably said that wrong, arrived in 1673 that more people kind of, you know, were settled in the area and didn't, were just like passing through, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm going to go with. (laughs) Cause there were sources, even amongst like the hot Springs city, like different like pages I saw for like tourism or history. Um, they all kind of claim different things as well. So that's just kind of what I'm going with. It could have been Hernando de Soto on his quest for, you know, the city of gold. It could have been, you know, the French explorers over a hundred years later. We don't really know, but that's kind of what's theorized. Um, and what's also interesting is that not much is actually known of how the native Americans utilize the hot springs, like. If it was like a spiritual thing or like a physical thing or both, um, all that it's known is that they were known as healing waters among the people. Okay. So now I'm going to kind of nose dive into the settler history portion of it. Um, this is from varying sources. Um, I'm just going to read what I found from my research and readings. But the area, now known as Hot Springs National Park, first became United States Territory in 1803 as part of the Louisiana Purchase. In 1804, President Thomas Jefferson commissioned an expedition to explore the area. The explorers found a log cabin and a few rudimentary shelters used by people visiting the springs, but no permanent dwellers. In 1807, a man named Prodham uh, probably said that wrong, became the first settler of modern Hot Springs, and John Percival and Isaac Cates soon joined him. In 1820, the Arkansas Territorial Legislature requested the springs and the adjoining mountains to be deemed a federal reservation. Congress established the Hot Springs Reservation on April 20th, 1832, to protect the Hot Springs area. This makes Hot Springs the oldest park in the national park system. 40 years older than Yellowstone which was interesting to me so it wasn't established as a national park but it's the first anything that was registered in the park system at all so very interesting cuz you know Yellowstone is famed for being the oldest but technically even though it wasn't called a park hot springs national park Well, Hot Springs Reservation, I guess, was the first thing to be registered in the system. But unfortunately, Congress failed to pass any legislation for administering the site. As a result, no controls were exerted in the area, and people continued to settle there, building businesses around and over the springs, which is unfortunate. On August 25th, 1916, Congress established the National Park Service, and Hot Springs Reservation came under its administration. Stephen T. Mather, head of the new organization, took a serious interest in the development of the site. His enthusiasm for Hot Springs apparently led to its designation as the 18th National Park on March 4, 1921. At the same time, the townspeople decided to call their city Hot Springs National Park as well. Not confusing at all. The park encompasses 5,500 acres. The park includes famous Bathhouse Row, which consists of eight unique turn of the century bathhouses in the heart of downtown. Unlike the hot springs at Yellowstone national park, which are preserved in their natural state, hot springs water has long been engineered and managed also unlike Yellowstone. The hot in these springs comes not from volcanic activity, but from depth. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Water from rain seeps down deep into the earth where pressure heats everything up according to the national park service. After a few thousand years underground, this heated water makes its way quickly to the surface through fractures, discharging at springs before it has a chance to cool. It is the only non-volcanic geothermal springs of such high quality in temperature, taste, color, and odor in the United States. Okay. So just as hot springs reservation was reestablished as government property, a devastating fire swept up the valley, destroying most of the south and central downtown area, but leaving the Arlington and Grand Central hotels, the Hale, Rector, and Big Iron bathhouses, and the buildings to their north. The structures were in general rough, utilitarian, and in poor repair. Um... Many townspeople considered the great fire of 1878 to be more of a blessing than a tragedy, since it cleared the way for new construction that was more sustainable and attractive. So I thought that was kind of interesting, like this big fire ravishes this town in this area and the townspeople are just like, oh, great, cool. (laughs) You cleared the land for us. Awesome. Which I don't know, I guess if I lived at that time period and everything included so much manual labor. I would probably see it as a blessing too, to BH. Okay. So in the short period after the fire, the government established stringent standards for bathhouse construction and the area rapidly changed from a rough frontier town to an elegant spa city. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about the bathhouses that were constructed. Um, I'm just going to list them off and I'm going to go back and tell fun facts about each one. So there's the Lamar, the Buckstaff, the Ozark, the Quapaw, the Fordyce, Maurice, Hale, and Superior. So currently, this is what all these things are being used for currently. The Lamar bathhouse offices are offices for the national park. Um, They contain the park archives, uh, museum storage, a small research library, and a park gift shop store thing. Um, the Buckstaff is the only bathhouse that has remained in continuous operation since 1912, meaning that it was never closed and it's still in operation. It hasn't been used for anything other than a bathhouse. Um, the Ozark is currently being used as a gallery space for um, various art organizations in the area. The Quapaw occupies the space of what used to be two bathhouses, uh, the Horseshoe and the Magnesia, and is being currently used as a spa. Um, I believe it was shut down for a time. Um, The Fordyce is the most extravagant one of all the bathhouses. Um, This is the one that my husband and I spent a lot of time in when we were there. It is currently the Park Visitor Center. um, It's a museum with self-guided tours, so you just can go in and walk yourself around. And there's lots of cool things to see, um, really beautiful, like stained glass work and just fun plaques talking about, you know, the different spa treatments that were used back then, some of which are kind of alarming. Um, and also on the third floor, there's a gymnasium with a lot of really heavy looking equipment <laughs> and I just. I mean, they didn't know any better, but like, honestly, the worst place for a gymnasium. <laughs> Cause it's just like, it's hardwood floor. People like, you know what I mean? Like just not the place on the third floor of a building. It's a lot of heavy material to be lugging upstairs and through windows and elevators and such, you know what I mean? Like you'd probably hear that thumping from all the way down to the basement. But that gymnasium on the third floor... Was the first gymnasium in the state of Arkansas um, in 1915. The Maurice Bathhouse is currently vacant and apparently is being prepped for commercial use right now. The Hale Bathhouse is currently being used as a luxury hotel. And the Superior Bathhouse um, is being used as a brewery. It is the only brewery in a United States national park and the only brewery. It's really weird to say that word brewer. in the world to utilize thermal spring water to make their beer. So that's your thing. Go try it. So that's all the bathhouses. And then there's just a lot of quirky history with hot springs that I'm going to kind of go into. And again, like it's kind of, it's a very unique park because again, like there is a natural aspect to it, like right above the bathhouses, there's, you can drive up and there's like a overlook, there's a tower that you can go up in granted. You have to pay, but like it's there. Um, but for the most part, it's the bathhouses, at least from what we experienced while we were there and the bathhouses only have so much history and so I'm going to kind of touch on the city of hot springs as well. And just the general history of the area. Cause it does tie into the national parks, uh, national park, I guess, um, in that area for sure. Okay. So during the late 19th and early 20th century, um, hot springs was the off season capital for major league baseball. The Chicago Cubs, Pittsburgh Pirates, Brooklyn National, Chicago White Stockings, and Boston Red Sox all held spring training in Hot Springs. Babe Ruth first visited the Spa City as a young pitcher with the Red Sox, but returned often for baths and rounds of golf. Uh, Babe Ruth's first 500-foot-plus home run was achieved while playing ball at Whittington Park in Hot Springs. And uh, (laughs) I thought this was funny, but... Apparently it is said that Babe Ruth on one of these trips to Hot Springs, I don't know when, but apparently one of these trips, he slipped home a baby alligator as a souvenir from an alligator farm that's in the Hot Springs area. I think it's like the oldest alligator farm in the United States or something. But (laughs) apparently he took one home as a souvenir back home to Boston. And you just, one has to wonder what... He did with that alligator once he got deposted. Like, like alligators don't say little forever. Those are freaking scary. So <laughs> it's a little alarming, kind of funny, but also not because I'm like, okay, that poor alligator. Like, what was it subjected to? You know what I mean? Did it live a long life? Probably not. Um, so there's that. And then... Okay, this is kind of funny because when my husband and I went to Hot Springs we were driving around and we saw this sign for um, a Hot Springs gangster museum. And we were both like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's like a little, probably like a little tourist trap kind of museum, like gangsters have nothing to do with this area that's so random. Well, I am here to tell you that I have been humbled because gangsters very much do. Have something to do with this area to my surprise. And yeah, so I'll just jump into it. But from the 1920s through the 1940s, Hot Springs flourished as a place where the famous and infamous came to enjoy the thermal waters, luxury hotels, and illegal gambling and bootlegging, especially in the 1930s. Gambling hotspots included the Ohio Club, Hot Springs' oldest bar. And the Southern club, which is now the location of the Josephine Tussaud Wax Museum, which was reputed to be owned by mobster Oni Madden. He was one of the founders of the New York mob was part of Murder Incorporated and owned Harlem's famous cotton club. Infamous mobsters such as Al Capone were frequent visitors with Capone taking up part-time residence in suite 443 of the Arlington hotel mobster charles lucky luciano who's the father of organized crime was arrested for the last time in hot springs on the promenade behind the ozark bathhouse he was in town gambling and taking baths. al capone considered hot springs his second home he distributed moonshine and bottles made from a local water company which i'll touch on later illegal gambling was permanently shut down in hot springs in 1964 Thanks to a federal crackdown on what the government called the site of the largest illegal gambling operation in the United States, which is kind of crazy. Um, and also something interesting about all of this is that, you know, like I said, when I talked about the native Americans, um, and their history of the area and how they would congregate at the Springs and it was a place of peace amongst all the different tribes that visited. And it was a place of friendship and fraternity and just relaxation and peace and rejuvenation and all the good things. And I said earlier that it was the same for another group that was kind of unexpected, this is that group. (laughs) Um, yeah, apparently it was a safe space for gangsters of all walks of life from California to New York to Chicago to all these other major cities to come. And despite their feuds they may be having outside of the city, when they went to Hot Springs, it was a place of neutrality, of fraternity, of peace. Just a place to come and relax and not worry about what was going on Back home, and it said that you know, like I said, Al Capone considered Hot Springs his second home. And again, I just think it's really interesting, kind of unexpected, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I thought it was such a crazy thing, you know, for gangsters to be associated with this area. But yeah, it's kind of some unexpected history. So to keep going, um, in 1871, pharmacist Peter Green and his brother, John, bought Lockett Springs and Hot Springs and began selling mineral water they called Mountain Valley Spring Water. By 1928, the water's popularity in association with the health spa boom allowed the company to expand distribution, making Mountain Valley the first bottled water available coast to coast. Famous fans of the water include, included Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley, And it was even the choice of the U.S. Senate in the 1920s. Today, visitors can explore the company's rich rich history at Mountain Valley's Museum of Bottled Water. The museum showcases nearly 150 years of bottles, barrels, photographs, and specialized machinery and more. And then I also found something talking about how five miles outside of Hot Springs... In eighteen seventy four, a stagecoach was robbed by none other than legendary outlaws Frank and Jesse James. And then some also just some fun stuff. Uh Tony Bennett first sang his signature song, I Left My Heart in San Francisco at the Black Orchid Club in Hot Springs after performing earlier that night at the Vapors Club. His piano player had him try it out, and when the bartender said he would buy it if Bennett recorded it, he added it into his next his act the next night at the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco. The rest is history. Okay, so now we're going to kind of go into the more spooky stuff. Uh, just a little fair warning in case you have little ears listening around. Um, doesn't get too bad, but just want to give you the chance to pause and get you another room if you need to. But first I'm going to start talking about the Arkansas army, naval Hot- Navy <laughs> hospital. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Um, also known as the Arkansas rehabilitation center. Um, it's said to be very haunted. And I remember seeing this building when we were in hot springs, but I didn't really know what it was, but it's a very impressive building. If you look it up, um, apparently it was originally, originally served as, um, an army Navy hospital during world war II. And it was later used as a sanitarium for the criminally insane. Um, it's perched right above bathhouse row. It's been there since 1933. And there's a legend that a man came in complaining of a sprained ankle and was kept overnight for x-rays and treatment. Well, he never left the hospital. And many of the the people on his floor also began to die after his passing. Why he didn't just have a sprained ankle. He also had smallpox. So it said that it caused this like plague on this certain hospital floor that is said to still be haunted and continue to be haunted for the rest of the time that it was used. Um, another unique thing, well, okay, I guess I can have to backpedal a little bit to talk about this a little bit more, but I came across a couple different conspiracy theories, um, all of which talked about how, well, I don't really know if it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe it is like professionally acknowledged as well, but. There's a theory out there that the government knowingly talked up the area to nationally and internationally to people claiming that the springs and hot springs were um, somewhat magical or had otherworldly properties that would heal any ailment. And it's so that they said this in order to attract more people to the area. But when these people came to the area, you know, of all varying things that were wrong from being crippled, to maybe mental disorders, to chronic pain, to just all these horrible sicknesses and ailments, um, they came here looking for healing, but you know, while there is a certain healing element to these hot springs, right? Um, just from like a relaxation point of view, um, they're definitely not magical. So all these people that came here died, which became a problem because these were not long-standing citizens, right? A lot of people came and then they never left. Um, so it said that one of the unique things about the army, Navy, army, Navy hospital is that it had one of the first morgues and it was huge. People were dying left and right because of this. So bodies were taken to the basement where they were stacked on top of each other. And this is kind of gross. I may or may not take this out. later but because they were stacked on top of each other and not properly treated they would often decay and slime before their loved ones could pick them up gross i'm so sorry the army navy hospital is considered to be the most haunted place in hot springs and i've seen varying things some say that it, it continued to be various things throughout the years um apparently right now it's a question whether or not it'll still, um, remain. There's talk of it being bulldozed, but it's still standing there today. I don't know if you can go inside or not, but it is there. And it is said, um, from residents of hot springs and visitors that, um, screams can be often heard from this hospital or that the elevator, you know, that floor I was talking about where everybody died from smallpox. It's said that the elevator will skip that floor, even if you intentionally try to go to it. So there's that. And yeah, I just, I don't know. And you, you see this in other areas of Arkansas as well. Um, there's also Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which is more in the Northwest area. Um, it's about an hour from where I live, but, um, It's infamously known for its hot springs and healing springs and was the victim of a con man, you know, about a hundred, a little over a hundred years ago. Um, but that's another story for another time, but it's just another area in this state where it was fabled to be this place of like mystical healing. And all these people came with such high hopes and high expectations and, looking for relief, genuine, genuine relief from the pain and suffering that they were having to deal with in their life or for loved ones in their life, but were not met with those expectations. And it's just kind of sad, you know, Um, and this is from different like Reddit posts and blogs that I found talking about the ghosts of the area, but A lot of the locals, um, report seeing ghosts that are, um, how do I say this? (laughs) Sick in some sort of way, either like visibly crippled or injured, or just, they seem like something's off with them. Like they're sick, maybe don't feel very well. So I thought that was kind of sad, nothing super spooky there, just All the ghosts that are kind of described, they're none that are like aggressive or weird or anything like that. It's all just said to be just kind of sad people. And from these hauntings, um, reported hauntings from like paranormal investigators who have gone and stuff like that, which take that with a grain of salt, but from people like that, who have gone, they describe the city as having a very heavy energy and you can just like feel. Some of like the sadness and sorrow from some of these alleged ghosts, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I just thought, I thought that was interesting. It's also a place of joy and happiness. You know, it's a spa location. Not everyone went there for healing. Some people just went there for, I mean, for a different kind of healing, right? For more of a a literal spa experience, a relaxation experience. So, I don't know. When we went, I definitely kind of had this feeling of, like, just kind of, like, similar to Olympic. But not quite Olympic, was just different for me entirely. But as far as, like, the heaviness and kind of the feelings I had. But similarly, I guess, in Hot Springs, I also just kind of had this general vibe of, like, this place is very old there's a lot more here than kind of meets the eye there's a lot deeper history than a lot of people a lot of people probably realize so it's just kind of interesting to contemplate all these all these different things um, and I think it's important when also considering the history of this area and the different stories that come from it I guess it just it just kind of depends on what what you want to focus on right you can either focus on the more depressing parts and, you know, the people that maybe were disappointed with their experience, or you can focus on the people and kind of the energy of like, this is a fun place, healing place, you know? Okay. So now we're going to go on to talk about the Arlington Resort Hotel. Um, it was originally built in 1875. Um, It's a beautiful and historic hotel. I saw the outside of it. I did not go inside while I was there. But patrons of the hotel tell stories of seeing people eerily dressed in old-fashioned clothes, walking down the halls or strolling through the lobby before simply disappearing into thin air. Some speak of seeing a young girl in a pink dress in the lobby. Others report seeing the ghost of a woman in one of the two towers, wearing a wedding dress, staring at the, the stars. Others have reported that they've seen the hotel's old bellman, uh, Henry Tweedle, on the fourth level of the building. He walks through closed doors before disappearing. Faucets are said to be turned on and off by themselves, people being brushed by something when no one's there, ghostly laughter and lights going on and off when no one is around. Um, and what's interesting, and I found this from multiple different sources, But with all the reported hauntings of this hotel, this is not a hotel that embraces that, which is interesting. Um, you would think that from like a publicity point of view that they would be really leaning into that and, you know, making it like a whole destination thing, but they actually don't, they kind of strongly go against that. Um, it said that the employees there are very tight lipped when it comes to guests asking about, um, ghosts in the building or, um, any people that have died there. Apparently there are rooms that are boarded off, completely boarded off to both guests and uh, employees because of reported, uh, hauntings in those rooms and things happening in there that the hotel did not want uh, to be talked about anymore. So it's just kind of interesting. Cause like I've been to a couple different haunted hotels and, or hotels that claim to be haunted or, you know, and they all very much lean into that of like, yes, we are a haunted hotel. Come stay with us. This will be great. But the Arlington does not like that type of publicity and discourages against it, apparently. Um, reports have it that several rooms within the hotel have been permanently locked again, like boarded off, locked, or even walled off. Um, if that doesn't give you enough pause to wonder whether the rumors of hauntings are true, not much will. Um, apparently there is a bartender who confessed to a particular bottle of wine, continually jumping off the shelf with several guest witnesses. Um, like multiple times, but it's not often you'll see someone fess up to that kind of a stuff. Um, and apparently it happens quite often, but again, the employees don't like talking about it. Apparently it happens and they very quietly just kind of clean it up, brush it out of the way and pretend like it never happened. So that's interesting. Um, apparently again, like Al Capone considered the hot Springs area, his second home. And I mentioned earlier that he uh, lodged himself at the Arlington Hotel um, in room 443. Um, but apparently he would also rent out the entire fourth floor for his crew of bodyguards and gangsters. Um, and in, in room 443 where he stayed, uh, Capone could see what was happening at the Southern Club across the street. Southern Club was gambling and entertainment joint that opened in 1893. Guests and employees have said that the elevator mysteriously will open, travel to the fourth floor, and stop as if to drop someone off. So that's interesting. Many rumors circulate about the Arlington Resort Hotel being haunted by whom or what and why it's tough to get the story straight. The building does have quite a history Um, the hotel was originally four stories and built in 1875 In 1892. The original building was raised and replaced by a larger brick building. However, the new building was destroyed by a fire in 1923. Afterwards, it was replaced with the Arlington resort hotel that remains standing to this day. And I also found a couple different theories of people because there were people that died in that fire in 1923. Um, And there are people who theorize that the people who are said to haunt the hotel are the people that died in that fire. And I came across a story too, that talked about how, when the people, I mean, which like, I don't know, I don't know how else you would do this, but like the people that died in the fire were basically cremated. Like it was a very high heat, high volume fire and there wasn't much left of the people that were killed, and it said that the people who died in that fire weren't given a proper burial. They were just kind of cleaned up with the rest of the rubble, and some people theorize that that's why it's so haunted, but I haven't been able to find any other sources that kind of back that up or talk about that anymore, so take from that as you will but that is a theory to the hauntings because like from what I was seeing, other than the elevator um, that people think is maybe Al Capone or one of his gangsters that goes to the fourth floor and seems to drop someone off when there's no one in it. That's really the only haunting that seems to have a backstory really besides the uh, bellhop that you can see too. Like those are the only two, the rest, like the young girl or like the bride, those don't really have stories behind them as far as like, oh yeah, that was this guest that stayed here at this time and died at this time. You know what I mean? So that was interesting. So now I'm going to kind of touch over just what to expect when you go to hot springs. I already kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but, um, when we went, it was just a couple of months ago and like, I think it was June that we decided to go, but it was hot and humid. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> hot springs is, is cool. I would recommend going, but it was kind of scary driving in. I don't really know what I was expecting, but it, when you, at least from the, where we entered the city it was kind of sketchy. It didn't really seem a very interesting place <laughs> or a place of notoriety until we got to the downtown area where like the bathhouse row is and stuff like that. So kind of, kind of prepare for that, I guess. Um, but the bathhouse row area is really cool. Um, it took a little bit to find some parking. We ended up parking in like a side street and walking over to the, taking a short walk to the bathhouses, but I would definitely recommend, um, touring the Fordyce, uh, which is the one that has the park visitor center and museum inside. It's really cool. Um, I'd recommend taking your time again, it's a self-guided tour. So just take your time, read all the things. It talks about all sorts of crazy, crazy, um, spa experiences that were used. Um, there's a men's side and a women's side, you can kind of go through both sides and learn about the different spa treatments that were given to the different, uh, you know, genders that went to whatever side. And, um, there's like a lounge area, one of the upper floors. That's, that's really pretty and nice. And the gymnasium is cool. Um, and don't miss out on the basement. Um, that's where the bathrooms are, but also, um, you can actually view, um, a spring from down there. It shoots out from a spot down there. So it's kind of cool to see. And there's some more informational stuff down there as well. So even if you don't have to use the bathroom, it's just, it's a cool place to go check out. Um, it's also, it's just a part of the museum. Um, and I know, <laughs> I know in the beginning I talked about how I like kind of, gave the gangster museum a hard time, but it is said to be pretty cool. So I didn't go cause I thought it was a joke, but it's, it's very much not. Apparently there's some really cool, uh, gangster history stuff in there. Um, from like weaponry to clothing to just all sorts of like really cool stories and stuff. So yeah, go there. I've heard that's pretty cool and I don't go inside the Arlington. I kind of regret not going in the Arlington. So I cannot say from personal experience that you can do this, but you might as well just give it a shot. Um, I found that most hotels don't mind if you just decide to walk around the main floor. So you might want to try that with the Arlington, (laughs) even if you aren't staying there, um, especially if it's a historical hotel, they usually don't mind if you just take a peek around, just don't go up on the floors where guests are staying unless, I mean, you can ask usually time, usually most of the time they'll say no, but you can give it a shot, I guess. But yeah, so you can do that. Um, again, I, I plan on going back and looking at that myself. Um, and just across the street from bathhouse road too, there's just a lot of really cute little shops, um, and stuff that are fun to, to poke around. Um I've heard from people that actually had spa experiences at the old bathhouses um and said it was really cool. So if you have time for that, maybe try to sneak in a little little spa treatment, report back, tell me how it is. I'm kind of considering that for myself, maybe in the next couple of months. Um and also be sure to check out and explore in between the bathhouses and a little bit behind the bathhouses. Um, as long as there's like, you know, a valid walkway and stuff, it should be fine. But there's lots of more plaques talking about, uh, more of the history and you can see some more of the hot springs and stuff that kind of bubble up from behind the bathhouses. So that's kind of cool too. Um, and then in, and I kind of talked about this already a little bit, but I'll just talk about it again. Once you go into the national park, it's like a one- way road that kind of winds up the hill and when you get to the top there's um like a viewpoint area there's also a tower with little guest shop um but it was kind of odd like I don't know what the situation with that is because it didn't seem like a national park gift shop it seemed like a third party situation and the tower itself was really big but you had to pay to like use the elevator, I think. I think it's free if you decide to walk up it, but it is a very long walk. (laughs) So if you wanna do that, feel free. We didn't do it because we didn't know if it'd really be worth it, but um, there is that to do as well. So, okay, well, that's all I had for this week on Hot Springs National Park. It's a unique one, so it was kind of fun to explore some of my state's history and touch up on some things that I didn't know, like the fact that mobsters were in the area, despite me thinking it was a joke at first and some of the other stuff. But yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Um, Again, it really helps if you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, Spotify and Apple are the most influential, but really just anywhere is great. And it's very appreciated. So thank you for supporting. Thanks for listening. Um, and I hope you guys have a great week.